Hey everybody, we are back with another episode of Can't Stop Snapping, the official podcast of MarvelSnapZone.com. Uh, as you guys know, I like to just give a quick update and a quick introduction here before we jump into every episode. Uh, nothing uh, too crazy to share. We dive into the kind of surprise patch in this episode that we got this week, so you'll hear more about that later on here. Um, but what I will say, uh, you know, I kind of alluded to this last week, is that I wanted to share a little bit of my thoughts about Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania, the new movie that came out. Obviously no spoilers, but I will say that I enjoyed the movie. I felt that uh, it got me very excited about Kang uh, as a character in the MCU. I think Jonathan Majors did a great performance, and, and I really enjoyed watching him. I do feel that it was a little weaker on the side of story about the Ant-Man characters, and kind of the heart that's been there in some of the previous Ant-Man films. But that being said, I, I still overall enjoyed the movie. I thought it was worth watching. And I'd say, you know, if you have the time, go go and check it out while it's still in theaters. But with that being said, and without further ado, let's jump into today's episode. Hey, everybody, we are back with another episode of Can't Stop Snapping, the official podcast of MarvelSnapZone.com. We have a... A uh, larger episode than I was expecting this week because we got a surprise patch that seemingly came out of nowhere. Uh, maybe maybe if we were paying attention, reading between the lines, we saw it coming, but uh, definitely surprised us here uh, with my guests that I have this week. I am joined by two returning guests. I am joined first by Coco4. Coco, thanks for being here. No problem. Thanks for having me. And I'm joined once again by Loot Muncher. Hey, Thanks. Uh, so we're going to dive in here. Uh, we've got a lot to talk about, but wanted to cover one thing because both of you guys were able to participate in obviously different capacities, uh, in a tournament, the first in-person Marvel snap tournament that's been held. And that was, uh, a little over a week ago. And I just wanted to give you guys both a couple of minutes just to talk about, uh, how that went and, uh, you know, what were the highlights of that and, and your experiences there? Uh, Lou, we'll go, we'll go to you first. Cause you kind of helped organize and run the event. Yeah. Uh, I think it went fantastic. Uh, me and Kawa tech and super tech. We have uh, been planning this since uh, October of last year. And so finally to see it all come together, it was awesome. We were able to get 16 amazing players to come out to New York. Um, I'll hang out and play marvel snap for a day so it's fantastic doing the battle mode um coco obviously did fantastic i'm sure he'll tell you about it but uh, yeah it was an absolute blast and we had a phenomenal reception uh from the twitch and from the players and everything so we will definitely be looking forward to doing more in the future awesome yeah coco let's go to you uh i'll be honest i was cheering you on and i i wanted you to win the whole thing but uh tell us about how you did and and how you enjoyed it uh First of all, uh, I just want to say the, thank you to Loot, Kawa, and SuperTech for throwing it on. And they also, they, they allowed me to remote in a couple weeks before the tournament. I had some stuff happen. I wasn't able to go. I was going to forfeit my spot, but they allowed me to still play, which was incredibly nice. So thank you guys for that. And uh, the tournament went well. Actually, I ended up finishing third. Um, I brought like a Daredevil, Devil Dinosaur control deck. As and I, I soloed that for the whole tournament. Um, I had Thanos Zoo as the backup, but I never really planned on playing that. To be honest, I couldn't think of anything for a secondary deck. But um, it went it went well. It was fun. Um, the players were incredibly talented. Most of my matches went down to like one or two cubes left. And yeah, had a had a good time. 
enjoyed the stream. I, I, I rewatched the VOD. It was amazing. The production was fantastic and uh, can't wait to do it again. Yeah. Yeah. What a blast. And, and what a rush. Like you said, so many games came down to the wire throughout the whole thing and and some of your games as well. But it, it was definitely a blast to to watch and to cheer everyone on. And uh, it, it was a great event. So th- thank you guys for both sharing that. Um, the VOD is there. It's available. So if, if people want to go check that out, make sure to go check that out. Uh, but with that being said, let's dive into today's topics. We got a, we got several things we want to talk about. And first off, as always, we want to break down the latest card in Marvel Snap that released this week, and that is Stature. Stature is a character I was less familiar with from the Marvel Universe. Uh, she kind of exists in the Ant-Man uh, realm, and she is a five-cost, seven-power card that reads, costs one if your opponent discarded a card from their hand this game. Uh, I instantly go think Miles Morales, right? If if a condition is met, you get a much lower cost to be able to enable to play this card. Um, so yeah, let's let's just go general thoughts, general synergies. What are you guys thinking about this car? How is it stacking up against some of the, the latest cards we've got? Uh, Coco, we'll go to you first. What are your thoughts on Stature? I think she's interesting. Uh, I'm not quite sure of the power level yet. Um I have her pinned at the moment. I haven't got the player yet, but what I, I what I kind of want to see her in is something with like wave, like wave, wave into like an early black bolt with stature stuff like that. Um, I think, and then I also I'm, I'm pretty sure I saw on on Kawa's channel he was doing a deck that was aiming to black bolt into arrow stature, which I think is just incredibly powerful to be able to do that. Like playing arrow with seven stats on an opposite lane is pretty nuts. So I think she's got a lot of potential. I just don't know exactly what deck she's going to fit into in the metagame, to be honest. Yeah, no, that's definitely fair. I think, um, well, Luke, we'll go to you in a second, but my my initial reaction is I think she's powerful, but I think she has less enablers than Miles Morales, for example, yeah. because it's easier for you to move a card uh, on a turn than it is for you to make sure your opponent discards a card, right? But uh, Luke, let's go to you. What are your thoughts? Yeah, that's a. I was definitely going to bring up that point. It's definitely a lot easier to move a card than to get your opponent to discard a card. Um, I think this is definitely a card right now. It sets in uh, two areas where one is you can hope that a location helps you out or um, you can rely on um, Moon Knight and the Black Bolt, which are iffy like Black Bolt is so late. Um, but the arrow play or something, I've also seen Valkyrie with stature on turn six, uh, being pretty good. Um, and then, uh, but a moon, Knight can discard it. Uh, I think uh, you, you can play it with those cards. Um, I've, I've seen some success, but it's kind of middle of the road. And then, uh, the other road that I think it lives on is that it can be, if you start going up against a lot of discard decks, if you start seeing a lot of Modoc apocalypse swarm stuff, uh, you can throw it in there, just have a big cheap, uh, card to drop in a location to fight for it so uh, i think this is definitely one of those cards um, like a few cards we've seen recently like shadow king stuff that i think as more cards come out that synergize with her she'll get better yeah i think that's a fair point i think um i mean we've already said it i think she's a little harder to enable you do have the randomness with moon knight which is one obvious synergy where moon knight could discard her my brain goes to like with miles morales like i think one of the best things you can do with miles is play moon girl right you get two miles in your hand 
and then and then you move a card and then you all of a sudden you have you know 10 power for two for two mana that you're using and you can play those at the end of the game or whenever you want i think with stature it's a little harder to pull that off right because uh like you're playing moon girl on four black bull on five but you have to like pull both of those cards and then you can't pull any kind of wave shenanigans like you guys are saying to kind of lock out your opponent because uh, then you're playing back world on five, so you can't really play wave on five as well. Um, so I think I think there's definitely some good things, and I think she's uh, definitely has more potential than than certain cards that we've got uh, in series five. But I think I, I guess I just don't know if we're gonna get other discard cards that are gonna help enable her more easily, right? Uh, obviously, if it was you or your opponent discarding card, I, I think that would be too powerful, right? Uh, that's that's just too easy to pull off. Um, but yeah, I think it's an interesting one. Um, Luke, maybe maybe explain to us a little bit more. You said you've seen her played with a Valkyrie. Is it just kind of like, uh, you know, you play uh, Black Bolt on five and then you're Valking a location to try to win it and you're playing Stature somewhere else? Is that kind of the thought process? So, so what, what I saw was someone uh, waved on three, Black Bolt on four, which is very good because everything in your hand now costs four. So it can hit anything, uh, mm. makes the Black Bolt a lot more potent. And then on mm. turn six, you can play Valkyrie into a lane and turn everything down to three, but play then play the stature that's a seven, winning you the lane. Gotcha. Okay, so like you have at least two spots open at a location. You throw down Valkyrie to reveal first and then Stature reveal. So it's like you don't need the blue Marvel or something that's buffing up your location to win it. You just play that extra card at the end. So Yeah, it gives you another option. Yeah, yeah, okay, I could see that. I think that's interesting. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. It's interesting. I, I think Stature is interesting, and I, and I want to get her as soon as I can, but... I don't know. Maybe it's just weird. Maybe I'm having an off week, but I feel a little less excited about stature than maybe some of the other cards. But maybe that's just because I haven't uh, haven't been able to see a ton of gameplay with her yet. But uh, any closing thoughts from either of you on stature? Um, I think maybe in the future, as we see more cards come out, she gets more powerful. Because mm-hmm. uh, like I said, you guys point out right now, it's pretty much just either run into a discard deck or play Black Bolt or Moon Knight, one of which might even discard your own stature. Yep. But uh, I think there's potential. Yep. If anything ever comes out with a, a cheap way to discard from your opponent's hand without risking discarding her, I think she gets a lot better. Yeah. But I also think, like, is that too powerful if you have, like, a one or two cost card that can discard a card in your opponent's hand, right? Yeah, it might um, be. It's because it's her thing says this game, not last turn. If it was, like, last turn, it wouldn't be as powerful, but... The yeah. fact that she's like discarded a hand card from the hand in the game at any point, that actually might be a problem. Yeah, and I guess to, to clarify what I was saying, um, I think like if you had another discard card that could discard card from your opponent's hand, like really early in the game, maybe that would be too powerful for that new card. Oh, okay, gotcha, uh, gotcha. That, that's what I'm saying. It's like, I guess it's just an interesting space. It's like, how much can they like build on like discarding your opponent's cards for them without it being too overpowered or too frustrating to play against? I guess is mm-hmm. the thought. Um, it's like we got Black Bolt, which you know comes late in the game, and it's the lowest cost card, so it's like usually not the end of the world for your opponent. Uh, and then Moon Knight, it's kind of like it's spin the wheel, you get affected as well. So 
anything outside of that, I just wonder if it would be too powerful. I, again, we're theorizing. We're just we're just uh, kind of uh, examining what could be what could be possible down the road. But um, I just wonder if there's anything else that's like not too powerful that would enable her better. I don't know. Uh, yeah. My head, no. <laughs> Yo, yeah, yeah. No, I, and this is why uh, I always say this, this is why like I'm that, not. Yeah. I'm not the game designer, right? I just, but uh, yeah, it'll, it'll be interesting to see how how uh, how she kind of sees more play and more testing as time goes on. Hey all, I wanted to take a quick moment to talk to you about MarvelSnapZone.com. Marvel Snap Zone is a one-stop shop for everything Marvel Snap on the internet. They have new articles nearly every day that cover deck building, strategy, card breakdowns, etc. They have a great collection tracker tool and a decklist builder that works off of that collection tracker so that you can know what decks you can build with your current card collection. They have guides and decklists for all level players and all collection level players. Make sure to go to marvelsnapzone.com and check it out now. Um, let's move to location now. And, uh, the new location this week, I would say is less invasive than some, uh, it is camp Lehigh and it reads add a random three cost car to each player's hand. Um, definitely not anything that for me has kind of, uh, flipped the game. Anything. Have you guys had any games so far with this featured location where, uh, this has either been detrimental to you because of what your opponent's drawn, or it's been really good for you because of what you've drawn. Any anything games to share? So for me, I've seemed to actually be getting not the same card every game, but a very high rate of gambit for some mm. reason. Um, so that that's just been very interesting. It's been very good for me. I've been ro- running an Odin deck, so getting a gambit that I can... <laughs> shoot off and then reactivate again later on is uh, pretty nice. Uh, but I have seen a few, a little talk about that, that it may have a little bit of an issue with randomly generating cards. I've heard other people talk about other cards. They've seemed to get more than other. Maybe that's just like a weird coincidence with the randomness, but uh, yeah, um, I, I like this location. I, I, I like that. It's not too flashy. Yeah. What about you, Coco? Uh, I don't mind it because, like you said, it's nothing that's like play this deck or don't play the game for a couple days. Yeah, which is very nice. And uh, actually, before we started the podcast today, I was playing uh, a Thanos mirror match, and I got a Killmonger off it when my opponent Ooh. had a yeah. This is on the on the second turn when my opponent had Quinjet Sunspot and a couple stones already going, so that was nice. Yeah. It was nice to put yeah. Killmonger into a lockjaw, blow their board up, and do all that fun stuff. But other than that, no, it's just been like generic stat sticks that have popped out for me. And that's about it. Nothing too crazy. Which yeah. I'm yeah. very happy with. I, I don't like very swingy locations. No, <laughs> yeah. And we we talk about this every week on the podcast when we're talking location. We're like, is this the one that makes you pull your hair out? Or is this the one <laughs> that you don't really you don't really care too much about? Uh, interesting. Obviously, the first thing that comes to my mind here, and I haven't done this, and I haven't seen anybody else do it, so maybe it's just not a good idea. But I go to Silver Surfer, right? Uh, you're like you're getting another free three cost card in your hand. Um, obviously, maybe when you already have a deck, so then you get in your deck, you may get a you know a copy of Ironheart or a Brood, right? Those kinds of things that you'd love to buff up your board or another Silver Surfer. But um, you know, if it doesn't really synergize with what you're trying to do, then 
doesn't help you that much. And it's just another card that you need three more, you know, resources to play. Right. Uh, yeah. So it's what are you, what are you giving up to play that new card that you didn't put in your deck to start with? Right. Um, so interesting. So again, that's maybe, maybe I'll try that out tonight, try it out tomorrow, but maybe, maybe it's not even worth doing uh, a silver surfer kind of synergy here. Um, have any of you guys played a, I feel like I'm not playing against any Silver Surfer decks anymore. But have you have you guys seen any Silver Surfer decks? Um, I had one for the uh, we had the hot location that was the 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 one that favored Patriot like plus three to all the like vanilla monsters at the location. Yep. Yeah, yeah, Washington D.C. Um, uh, a guy who frequents my channel his name is Zanade. He loves Patriot, but he he had like this Patriot Surfer deck that played absorbing man and arrow. And I played a bunch of that. That was actually really fun. Other than that though, I haven't really seen much. No. Yeah. It's definitely fallen off. Um, but yeah, so, so camp Lehigh, I, I think, uh, a pretty decent kind of middle of the ground, uh, location is kind of fun. You get this interaction that both you and your opponent get, and, but it's not, not going to make you pull your hair out. Um, I wonder if either of you can, Maybe loot. Maybe you can confirm this because I feel like I I saw this on Twitter or I saw it in the Discord or something. Uh, maybe it was like a screenshot of one of the developers saying something, but that they're thinking about changing the new locations, how long they're featured from forty eight hours to twenty four hours. Does that ring true to you at all, or am I just making that up? So if I remember correctly, and I will try to pull it up quickly, I uh, tend to take screenshots now whenever I find interesting information they ask the devs but if i i'm remembering correctly um they are in fact are changing it plan on in the future um changing it from 48 hours to 24 hours and the thing that they are looking into and may change is they may do a week or two without like a location hmm yeah i think i think that last part was maybe for the hot locations on saturday sunday um, uh, yes, I, think, I, I, do, I, I do believe you're correct on that. Yeah. So the two changes that I saw proposed, I think it sounds like it aligns with what you're saying is that they're going to change the new locations that come out on Tuesday nights, us time. Um, no, let's see what's it. Yeah. Tuesday nights to only run kind of featured for 24 hours instead of 48 hours. That was one proposed change. Uh, and then the other one was maybe there would be some, you know, Saturday Sundays without the hot location, um, which I think would be interesting. Um, you know, I've said it here before. Uh, I like the new locations. I like that they're featured so you can actually see it and play with it. Uh, sometimes there have been weeks where it being there for 48 hours feels like a week long, right? It feels super long. So I think shortening that time is probably a happy medium, right? We still want new locations, but maybe we don't have to have them for you know two days out of every week, uh, and then the hot locations. I've I've said previously that you know sometimes those ones feel a little bit more dry to me. Sometimes they're still fun, but sometimes it's like okay, it's this location. I know what everybody's going to do because we've already had this location featured before. Um, so I think maybe having some breaks where we don't have that is not a bad idea. Um, did they give any kind of timeline on that loot muncher? Do you, do you remember? Did they say like? in an upcoming patch soon? Did they just say they're thinking about it? I, I can, de I will definitely jump in. I'm trying to find it now, but as what I remember is they said in a couple patches. Okay, cool. And obviously I think we saw that a couple days ago. And since then we've had a patch, right? So it's obviously not in the, the next patch because we've already got the next patch, but 
uh, yeah, so so it'll be interesting to see how they you know switch things up with locations in the future, uh, maybe slow some things down or shorten some timelines. So uh, I don't think that's a bad thing, but we will uh, we'll see when and how that exactly plays out. So continuing on here, I'd love to talk with you guys patch notes because I think there's a lot we can talk about here. Um, so let's uh, let's dive in here to the patch notes, uh, and there's actually a couple things that were not brought up in the patch notes that I also saw in the Discord that, I, that I'd like to talk to you guys about. So we'll go through the general updates here first. So we have some cards that dropped from Series 5 to Series 4 or Series 4 to Series 3. So we have from Series 5 to 4, we've got Silver Surfer, Null, Darkhawk, and Sentry. So if those are in your token shop, those are no longer 6,000 tokens. Those are 3,000 tokens. They can also be open in one of your guaranteed Series 4 cards to open in every 40 reserves. And then we have Agent Colson, Maria Hill, Helicarrier, all moving from Series 4 to Series 3, which are now 1,000 collector's tokens. And obviously, they can be opened at the rate of normal Series 3 cards. So I think that's good to see. Um, art and visual effects, we got a couple updates to Onslaught, Claw, Ricky Bridge, uh, Mysterio's Illusions, now use uh, Mysterio's Variant, which I think is a nice change. But let's dive into the meat of the changes, which is the card updates. That's what we always like to focus on here. Talk about the pros and cons and our thoughts. And we'll talk about the cards that are here, but then I'm interested after that to hear you guys' thoughts about maybe some of the cards that aren't here. So Darkhawk is the first one. Darkhawk has gone from a four cost one power card to a four cost zero power card. Still retains the same ability, which is ongoing plus two power for every card in your opponent's deck. Uh, we'll go to you first on this first one, Coco. What, what's your thought on the change here? Do you think this is really necessary given the current meta? Do you feel strongly one way or another about this change to Darkhawk? Um, not entirely. Uh, it's it, it's just one power, so I think it, it brings it down like a little bit. It'll matter in some games, but I don't think it really changes the card enough to really make an impact on the decks that it's actually played in. I think the the Zabu nerf was actually way more of an effect on Darkhawk than this, to be honest. Agreed. Agreed. Uh, Darkhawk hasn't really seemed as much of a problem to me since the Zabu change. Uh, Loot Muncher, what's your thought on Darkhawk? Yeah, I think it's interesting. I mean, we've seen this before. We've seen them adjust power uh, just by one here and there, up or down. Uh, interesting. I know a lot of people are saying, oh, now it's the perfect uh, negative target. Uh, I'll be interested to, to play around and test with that. I'm a big fan of uh, Mr. Negative with Jane because now you can draw it with uh, Jane Foster. So it'd be very interesting. But uh, overall, I don't think it changes too much. Yeah, interesting to note the dev comment here. Uh, it says, as we prepared this balance change before the Silver Surfer and Zaba nerfs went live, we didn't want to hit him too hard. However, we definitely felt that knocking off at least one power from his him is warranted, and you, we will continue to monitor his performance. So he's still kind of on the watch list. They may make a change either way. Uh, but it sounds like they were thinking through this kind of before the Zabu change, but then they're... I think it was kind of clear to them Zabu was the thing that needed to be changed more than Darkhawk because Darkhawk was as good as it was because of Zabu, right? Um, so yeah, so it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting to see if more changes come to Darkhawk in the future. Next up, we have Thanos, uh, which I honestly was surprised. So I'm interested to hear what you guys 
I have to say. So Thanos retains all of his uh, stones, the Infinity Stones. They have the same abilities. But Thanos has gone from a 6-cost 8-power card to a 6-cost 11-power card. Loot Muncher will go to you first this uh, time. Do you think this was needed? Uh, I, I honestly am surprised by this change. It, it is very interesting as Thanos uh, decks have gone up and uptick. I do think it's maybe a little bit of a thing from Creator Clash from Ordinary Harry winning it with a, the Thanos Lockjaw list he was running. Um, definitely seen an uptick in play of it. And I think that these patches are locked in a little earlier. Like this was probably a decision made a couple of weeks ago. Uh, to change it, it, it is very interesting that the developer note said, you know, they won't, you know, you see the stones played, but most decks just really rely on the stones and don't really see Thanos played. Um, another interesting fact that it does is now that uh, Thanos can be Shang-Chi'd at all times. Um, mm. So I think that's a interesting buff for it is now that it can get destroyed um, at any time that it hits the board. So I think it's very interesting. I, I'd like to see how it's played out. Yeah, and I think, I mean, I still think the stones are the best part of Thanos, right? All the enablement there. Uh, Coco, what are your thoughts on the Thanos change? You think you think it was necessary? You like it? Um, I don't really think it was necessary, to be honest. I don't, I don't even, I don't even think it does much for the Thanos decks. Uh, if anything, it's like like Luke point pointed out, it's maybe more of a negative because it can be Shang Chi now. Mm-hmm. Um, other than that, I feel like the strength of the Thanos decks was the stones and the utility. Yeah. Uh, but I guess a 23 power Thanos every once in a while is nice. Or like sometimes you need that extra little bit of stats just to close out a lane. So yeah. it's nothing too bad. I, I think it's mostly harmless. Yeah, no, I, th- I think it's interesting. Um, you know, more often than not, I just think the utility of the stones loading up on those playing a Kazar and a blue Marvel down. Like there's all these things you can do to kind of flood your board, get a really strong uh, power level at each location. And Thanos, you know, whether he's played or not, really, you know, doesn't make that deck weaker. So I get them wanting to see him played more, which I don't think is a bad thing. Like, they want to make it more about the card than, you know, the other card that you get from the card. Uh, But, um, yeah, I don't know. We'll we'll see how long this lasts, because I do think I'm seeing more Thanos decks uh, myself. And so if that just stay strong, then I could see them easily making a change here again. And maybe the changes to the stones, right? Who knows? Um, we will see if more changes come there. And then uh, this one may just be the most interesting because I've seen very kind of divisive thoughts or not divisive, but just uh, kind of seen both sides of the spectrum of people thinking this is a good change, bad change with this next card. And that is Sandman. Sandman retains the same ability ongoing uh, you know, you and your opponent can only play one card per turn, but Sandman has gone from a four cost one power card to a five cost five power card. Uh, I have some thoughts, but we'll go to you guys first. Coco, we'll go to you first this time. What are, what are your impressions on the Sandman change? Uh, I like it a lot. <laughs> um, I think it gives ramp decks more teeth against uh, turn six stat slam. And whatnot. And the fact that it actually has power now, it doesn't feel like you're skipping a turn to play it. Whereas when it was a 4-1, you would play it, but you're essentially just like giving up your entire turn four and development to play him. I, I guess mm-hmm. the comparison would be Shuri, but if there's a trade-off with Shuri, at least you're getting double power on something else. So yep. being able to do this and sometimes cheat out on four, but sometimes even just slamming it like on five into a Doctor Doom is enough. 
there is still plenty of decks in the metagame that want to play multiple cards on six, and that just flat out says no. So yeah, I, I like we, it. And we were just talking about Thanos, right? Like you, yep. often you're playing out a ton of cards in that deck, and there's several others. And and I think Doctor Doom is a great kind of uh, talking piece here because Sandman and now Sandman on five, Doctor Doom on six. That's that's twenty stats across the board, right? Uh, which is not a bad thing to have in the last two turns of the game. So, uh, and obviously the locking out of your opponent of being able to add cards to other locations, which you can do with Dr. Doom. I think it's very powerful. Um, Luke Muncher, what are your thoughts on Sandman? Yeah, I think it's a very interesting change. Um, I actually were, was been messing around with a Sandman deck, uh, trying to get it to work before this change. Um, it actually messes up my plans a little bit. I was trying to drop it on, uh, turn three as much as possible with like Zabu and Sidelock and stuff. So uh, changing to five uh, cost messed that up. But I, I've been still messing around with the Sandman deck and I like the change. Uh, what you're saying, uh, it's very powerful for the Doom. Uh, the line of play that I've been trying to go for is just turn three Electro, turn four Sandman, turn five Doctor Doom, turn six Odin. Uh, that can beat a lot of decks, can be very challenging um to beat if you have priority you know arrow can't even really mess with that plan too much if your odin still hits the doom um but yeah it's very interesting and we'll i mean i'm excited to see how it plays out i do think this is a gives a great answer for uh combos and stuff i don't have to worry about she hulk taskmaster shenanigans on turn five that i was seeing a lot sandman able to shut that down so i think it's interesting i just hope it's not oppressive and we'll see but if it does become oppressive then i think second general will hesitate to make the change again so yeah i think uh i think this definitely helps against the death wave style deck right the death wave she hulk those kinds of things where you're uh you know playing a combo of cards that allow you to play multiple high static cards at the very end of the game um which i don't I don't think it's a bad thing. I think there there weren't a ton of counters to that deck in a lot of scenarios. Certain scenarios, yes. Other scenarios, no, depending on what style deck you're playing. So I think this is kind of meant to help uh, like have a, a possible counter to those. Um, but I think, like you say, we'll have to see, right? Because if it, if it becomes everybody's playing Sandman and then you can only play Doctor Doom and other things as like a counter, any, you know, I don't know. It'll just be interesting to see. Uh, that's why these games will have changes forever, right? Because you can never have perfect balance, but uh, we'll see. We'll see how this affects and shakes things up. So continuing on, we have a couple of cards that just have a, kind of a one power stat line change. Uh, and that is Spider Woman has gone from a five cost seven power to a five cost eight power. Retains her same ability. Namor has gone from a four cost five power card to a four cost six power card. And Dagger has gone from a two power, uh, sorry, two cost one power card to a two cost two power card. Um, Yeah, I I think uh, I'll give you guys my thoughts on this one first. Uh, I think Spider Woman, this probably helps her out a little bit. I think, you know, her ability is still strong. If, if she flips against four cards on your opponent's board, then that's minus four to their side, eight power to your side. So that's like a 12. A 512, right? I think that's that's pretty good. Uh, Dagger, I think, you know, the move deck could probably still use some a little bit more love. Uh, but Dagger can get, you know, buffed up several times. And I, I think this isn't uh, too bad. Namor, 
I think still isn't very strong. And I'd love to hear your guys' thoughts. If you agree, disagree, I'm still not playing Namor, even though it starts with a base of six stats. Uh, Coco, what are your thoughts on the Namor? Um, I'm pretty much in the same boat as you on that one. I'm not sure what stat line they could give a card that it can be the only card there to make it actually playable. To be very honest, it's just like you got to play it there and just hope for the best, I guess. But I think the biggest problem with cards like that is the minute it's there, if that's what you're trying to do, your opponent can very easily calculate the range in the lane. And I just know, okay, here's Namor. This is what he gets to. I just have to be above this and I'm fine. And you can't you can't slap down onslaught there to double the effect because then it doesn't work. <laughs> so uh, onslaught that works like claw, then we're good. Yeah, um, yeah. Curious loot. Do you have any thoughts of like, well, if you, if you were to change the name or stat line or ability, like, what would you do? Would you just buff it up a couple more notches? I'm not sure. Like, it's I'm not sure what he can do at that point. Like before you start getting to a ridiculous point with him. Um, I have seen him a little bit of play. I mean, I've seen um, an opponent. uh, I think it was like the first match I played after the patch. Uh, They played uh, Namor and then uh, Wong and then Spectrum to really just Mm. like, and they played a few other things before, but really just trying to win that lane by itself, uh, but I was still able to go over the top of it. So it's interesting. I'm, I'm I'm not sure where the point would get to where it's playable, but then would just be silly. Like can't have Namor just being like a four fifteen or something. Yeah, yeah. It's it's tricky. It's like where because I think it's plus five stats, right? So uh, yeah. Namor becomes a four eleven when he stands alone. I almost wonder if he was like a 12, if that would be, I don't know. I, I really don't know, but I just feel like he's still not there. Um, I don't think the ability is a bad idea. You kind of like, you kind of want this card that can kind of have like, Oh, if it's alone, it can, it can be buffed or do some ability, but I just don't think it's where it needs to be yet. So I, I'm interested to see if we see some more love for Namor later on, but. Uh, after that, we've got just a couple of text changes. Uh, Yondu now says, destroy the top card of your opponent's deck. Uh, so this is just clarification. It has always counted towards things like it's destroying a card, uh, like for deaths, discounted cost. Yondu has counted towards that, but the text was confusing. Um, so I, I, you know, I applaud them for including that uh, word, the destroy word in there, because now it's very clear that this should uh, count. Um and then we've seen some changes with cards and locations to uh, when you play a card here to after you play a card here or after this turn uh, instead of, you know, when this flips over, etc. So Angela, Bishop, Iron Fist, Lockjaw, and Titania all now say after you play a card instead of when you play a card. This does not change their effects. They will play the same way they've been playing, but this is just hopefully... Uh, you know, clarity and making things more clear. Um, and we, uh, I'm not even going to read the whole list. We have over a dozen locations that have had kind of same change to and from when uh, they now say after. And again, that is not changing the functionality of locations. It is just uh, for clarity's sake. But one we will talk about that changed is Sakar. Um, Sakar would when the location flipped up it would immediately pull cards from your hand and you know play them 
or put them in the location. And so if it had an honor availability, that honor availability would happen immediately. Um, but this caused some weird interactions. So now it, it says, after this turn, put a card from each player's hand here. Uh, have you guys run into this location since the patch came out? Uh, I ran into it a couple times. You talk, uh, yeah. With, with Sakar, it, I, I, I like the change personally. Yeah. I don't like the whole, like, like, the, like, what the problem they're having was stuff would happen like mid turn. They'd be like, well, hold on. Yep. Does the storm lane close or does it stay open? Stuff like that. So, yeah. Wave, wave would be in effect for two turns, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, which would be the worst because then it's like, well, I guess I'm not playing any cards for the next two turns. Yeah. And, and uh, now you can also play strategically into it. Like, if it pops up and you have yep. like a cheap hand, you can like try and like 50 50 something to come down or like make your odds better that it drops what you want, stuff like that. 100%. I like that because it makes me think intentionally about the location, not like, oh, uh, okay, so cars in the game. Uh, Arnim Zola's out of my hand and it's useless now and it's on the board and whatever, right? Now it's okay. I've got four, you know, I've got three cards left in my hand or whatever it is. Uh, what am I playing out, right? What would I like as the free play or what would I like to not get played down, etc.? So, uh, interesting, interesting change. Uh, I think it's for the best. Um, and then one other th- change on the locations uh, is adjusted the cost of Clintar's symbiote, symbiote from one to four. Uh, assume that's mostly kind of so it's just not killmongerable, which I think was kind of a sad decision when this location first came out uh, because it was just like, well, I don't really want to load up like cards in that location because then it's like easily destroyed either by Shang-Chi if it's got a lot of power or by Killmonger even if it doesn't have a lot of power. Um, yeah, so kind of continuing on from there, uh, talking after the location updates, we do have uh, what I like to call kind of shadow buffs or shadow changes to cards. Um, and that is in the bug fixes list. So we'll kind of go through here first. First one we've got here is Absorbing Man. Uh, Absorbing Man's effect can now be doubled by effects like Wong, Kamartage, and Odin. And all I can say is hallelujah. I think that's awesome. Uh, Luke, what's your what's your thought on the what I would call a buff to Absorbing Man? Yeah, I think it's great. Uh, Absorbing Man was definitely one of the cards I was most excited about when they first introduced the token shop. Uh, so glad to see that change. I always thought it should work that way. And I, I remember people arguing that it shouldn't be or whatever. But now to know that it was a bug and that it's fixed is fantastic. I can definitely dust off my absorbing man uh like i said i've been playing an odin deck so i've definitely been playing them in there and it's uh been very fun and very excited about that uh two quick things i just want to throw in there real fast uh with the sakar change um i think it needed to be changed for the reasons that y'all stated i don't like what they did because now it's just a turn like a sooner grand central station like it Mm. does the same thing now basically um so i think that's kind of awkward um, and then uh, the dagger change, um, I think, is very interesting because it makes for a very strong play that you can do with Human Torch and Dagger into Doctor Strange because Doctor Strange will move both of them. Um, mm. So that's very interesting. But yeah, that is a great call. Sorry, we didn't we didn't get your thoughts there. That is something I did not consider, um, which could be very helpful. And actually, that's a kind of a bigger buff to the move move style deck so good call out there um 
Curious on this next one for either of you guys. So Altar of Death now gives energy if Green Goblin or Hobgoblin are played and destroyed on the opponent's side. And I knew this wasn't working before, but I actually don't remember or don't understand. Does it give you the energy for the card being destroyed or does it give it, you your opponent the energy? It gives you the energy now. It gave the opponent the energy before. Interesting. Yeah. Okay, which kind of makes sense because Altar of Death reads after you play a card here, destroy it. So mm. it's like the enable for you to get the energy is you have to play the card. So that makes sense. But the code was reading it. Oh, card gets destroyed on this side of the board. Give that person the power. Okay, right? Does that sound right? I yeah. think so. Cool. Uh, I think uh, so, yeah. Did you guys, I'm looking through here. Did you guys see any other, uh, any other changes here that you think are worth bringing up in the bug fix list? Uh, I think that was, I know that you and me do this every patch notes, but, uh, yeah, I was looking through it earlier. I think those are the biggest ones. Basically everything else was like sounds and like picture changes and stuff. And so, yeah, yeah, I think that, I think the only other one I'm seeing here is that uh, Miles Morales' cost is correctly reduced if a card is moved and destroyed before its res- its move resolved. Okay, yeah. So is that just like a kingpin thing, or like a or like an arrow into um, Fisk Tower type thing? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, it's like yeah. if a card was moved but then destroyed, it wasn't reducing the cost of Miles. Yeah, I think it was the same thing. I mean, you don't see it now because leader got buried six feet under, but it was like the same thing <laughs> where if the card got destroyed, you didn't get to leader the copy the copy of the destroyed card. So. Gotcha. So I can't remember if we just mentioned. It. I was just looking through it. The issue with the uh, the card purchase on the wrong item when the token shop rolls over. Mm, no, we didn't bring that up. They fixed yeah, that. But- I'm only really because yeah. I've had that happen to me where I've purchased something right as the shop changed and before I've reset my app and I bought what was there before as opposed to what mm. was supposed to be there. That's a nice yeah. fix. Yeah. Were you able to, I'm assuming people would maybe be able to get that resolved with customer support, but I guess, I don't know if you attempted that at all. I, I never, I didn't even attempt it. I just ended up buying like reopening my app and then just buying what I wanted and just accepting yeah. the loss. And he was definitely from, contacting support. <laughs> I yeah. But, but I mean, very frustrating and it's frustrating that you'd even have to theoretically contact somebody because it's like, I'm looking at the thing I want to buy, so it should buy that, right? So good. Yeah, fix. well, especially like on the Canadian side, that's like for a 700 gold one, that's like 15 bucks. Yeah, yeah, totally get that. Um, one thing I want, you know, we're running down. We've got a few minutes here. I, I'm gonna go to you first, Coco, because I think I know Lute's thoughts on this. But hmm. one card I was surprised to not see on the change list here was Arrow. Um, and I know people have different thoughts about should arrow be nerfed, should she be changed, etc. I guess my questions are: Were you surprised to not see her, and do you think she needs to be changed anytime soon? I'm not surprised to not see her, and I hope we don't see a change. Mm, okay. Um, I, I, we we need some level of interaction. Yeah. Uh, and also, like arrow puts Galactus in check. Mm-hmm. like heavily puts Galactus in check because she's played in like every deck. That's one of the reasons why Galactus can't just like comfortably play out wherever they want. They have to like front load an entire location just like to yeah. not get arrowed. And 
I've seen people draw the comparison between like arrow and leader. I just, I don't think it, it exists. There is way more ways to play around arrow and you have to actually work for it. Like to get that oh. position, you have to, you have to, what's the phrase? Um, like, jo- what do people say? Jockey for position, I guess on yep. the board correctly. Yep. Navigate. Right. And then it doesn't always work either. Cause like, depending on like what you're, you do as the opponent, you can lock out an arrow lane. You can be like, oh, they're going to arrow me here. I only have one spot left. I can tuck a one drop in here and put like my dino somewhere else, stuff like that. And then if we're, we're I guess, where do we draw the line at like nerfing interactive cards? Mm-hmm. Right. Do, do, do we just get to the point where people want zero interactive cards and everything is just like race to your combo and hope for the best? Yeah. Yeah. Me personally, no, I like that whole, like, I don't even call it a mind game, just like playing the game, like trying to, navigate around your opponent as opposed to just slamming what I have and hoping for the best. No. Yeah. I think that's a very fair point. I think it's very satisfying. I've lost when... a lot of arrows. I have lost. Oh yeah. Arrows. I, <laughs> I think we all have, but I think it's very satisfying when, you know, you playing against an arrow and you know, it's coming and you're able to play around it successfully. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and unlike I, leader, I, I, it doesn't I feel force very you to play. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, go, no, I just, I, I was just saying it's very satisfying. So go ahead. Mm-hmm. And like leader, it doesn't force you to play like extremely non-correct. Whereas like generally to, to play around leader was unintuitively, I guess would be the word. Like to, when you're playing around leader, when leader was a card, you had to like do some like dumb things to play around it. Where with arrow, you, you just got to play the game properly. You got to fight for the priority and then stack the right locations. So it's not like you have to go out of your way to purposely play like crap in, in the hopes they don't have it you can just play the game correctly and right and achieve like board dominance and that'll play around the Euro as it is. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the reason I wanted to go to you first is because I'm pretty sure, I mean, I'll let loot talk for himself, but I'm pretty sure loot is on the exact same page as you. So loot, uh, what are you? Yeah. I was like, loot, uh, what do you have to add to this topic? So arrows fun. Shouldn't be touched. Uh, I think that arrow realistically, um is a very strong card and i understand people's frustrations but this is a card game and from someone that's been playing card games for 20 years now jesus that makes me sound old um but it's being able to interact with your opponent and play around cards having cards that can interact with your opponent plays like because right now you know everyone's shearing into red skull into taskmaster like having a counter like arrow to stuff like that is very important to make sure um things like that don't get out of control um i have been very active on twitter obviously defending arrow whenever i can but i also understand that it may need adjustment that either either the community feels that way or second dinner feels that way um but i think you don't want to, I don't hope that they don't do a leader change and completely change the effect. I think you can go one or two routes or even combine the two. Um, one of the biggest things I've seen people say, and I completely agree is, and I don't know if it would be a buff or a nerf, but it would allow an opponent to play around it easier or understand how to play around it easier is the arrow should pull the cards in the order that they are played by your opponent, not just at random as it uh-huh. is now. Um, if your opponent plays three cards, it randomly pulls the three cards. It doesn't care about in what order. Um, I think that is a great change. They should do that no matter what else they do to the card. Um, and then 
I would personally be okay with it because I think another thing is now you don't know when it's coming down on turn five or six. I think they could also just make it a turn, make it a six drop. I think that would be a viable option too to limit its versatility that you know that it's only a turn six drop now, not that it could be a five or six. Yep. Yeah, I think I think those are some interesting points as well. I love the uh, the first thought you shared where like it would pull the cards over in the order you played because then that's uh, kind of going back to what Coco said, right? It's like you need to be strategic and like you can be like, I know it's coming, so which card do I play first? Which is the one that's pulled out of this location? And you can put the card there. You don't want to, you don't care about getting pulled over, right? Uh, so I think that I think that would be a very positive change in the code. Um, but yeah, I think it's interesting. I think this is kind of an ongoing debate. Uh, you know, I know a lot of people feel strongly about it, but it'll be interesting to see. Interesting to see if they do make any changes in the next couple of patches to Arrow. Um, just there is a lot of discourse there, so we'll see what the developers' thoughts are. Um, it's just funny to think back. You know, last year, you'd always talk Arrow up to me, and you talk up Arrow to me on the podcast on Twitter, and I was just like. And I think a lot of people were like, is Arrow even that good of a card, right? <laughs> like, uh, it's, a, it's, it's funny. I've had a few people like come to me and be like, why are you jumping on the Arrow bandwagon? Everyone loves Arrow. Like, stop talking about it. I'm like, I've been talking about it for nine months now. <laughs> like, like yeah, I'm not just jumping on, Arrow I promise. Bandwagon. No, yeah, yeah, like, we were all like, like, I'm driving this bus, so... <laughs> Yeah, we were all like, Lute's got like his third eye. He's like the arrow cult. Like he's just, you know, he's seeing things we're not seeing. But now we all look back and we're the fools. So, uh, yeah, this was all pre turn six magic nerf. Yeah, that is fair. That is very fair. That is very Uh, fair. I wanted to make one more point on arrow. She's a generic cool three card that people who are just crossing that threshold where they start playing against full collections. If you pick it up out of the shop it will just drastically improve a lot of the decks that you're playing and can just win you games against people who have better cards. Just by saying yeah. you can just build generic devil dino and slap an arrow in there and you can compete. Yep. And yep. that is one more thing I wanted to jump on too. I've seen a lot of people be like, you know, make her a five zero, which don't Mr. Negative is oh. still a thing, but a lot of people say, you know, I don't play her for her power. I don't care about the power. I don't care. The power matters because mm-hmm. I have definitely still won games where I'm, it's not, I'm just pulling you into a lane that I don't care about. I'm pulling you into a lane thinking that that seven power is going to help me beat what you're playing. So uh, the power does matter. So if they wanted to lower the power back to maybe six, that would be fine. But like a lot of people saying the power doesn't matter with arrow arrow is one of the cards that it does matter. The power still matters because there are still that line of play of not just pulling into dead lanes, but lanes that you're still fighting for. Yeah. Like I took a generic, almost mainly pool two, pool three dino arrow deck. And I got third place at creator clash with it just by yep. doing that, by playing generically strong cards that are from pool two and pool three and then slapping arrow down. Yeah. Great, great example of that. So thank you guys for this conversation. I think, uh, you know, I'm interested to hear what listeners thoughts are. Uh, you know, feel free to share those tag us, tag us on Twitter. Uh, you can reach out to us in discord, wherever you, you, you find us normally, but uh, I'm interested to hear kind of more of this discourse from the community uh, and see what people's thoughts are on arrow and obviously all the other changes we've talked about, but we are out of time for today's episode. Uh, just really appreciate you guys being on here. Uh, 
being willing to jump on here and record today. Uh, but as always, we want to make sure we close out with giving you guys an opportunity to shout out uh, uh, where you can be found online, where you're putting out content, and how people can support you. So, Loot, we'll go to you first. Yep, you can find me on uh, Twitter at uh, one at Loot Muncher Zero. Uh, same on Twitch. The Twitch streams are very sparse uh, these days, but uh, you can also now check me out on YouTube. I uh, just put out my first YouTube video the other day where I talk about changes I'd like to see to the game. And one of them was the uh, hot location and uh, fix that uh, they're talking about coming out. And I talked about it like two weeks ago. So Awesome. Awesome. Well, I didn't even know you had the YouTube. So you know what I'm doing right after this is going to subscribe. So uh, Coco, get, yeah, let's, let's hear your shout out. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Coco4CCG, um, that's C-O-C-O and then the number four, C-C-G. And then on Twitter at Coco underscore four, and then uh, the four there is spelt with letters because someone stole my name. So it's Coco underscore F-O-U-R, and you can catch me Tuesdays, Thursdays, Saturdays, and Sundays at 9 p.m. EST. Uh, I do have a YouTube that's just Coco4, but I have not uploaded anything yet. So in the future, that will be coming. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you guys both so much. Really appreciate being here. Listeners, as always, we're very grateful for you being here. If you'll do us a favor, if you're listening to this on a podcasting platform, make sure to follow the podcast as well as leave a review that helps us reach more listeners. And if you are listening to this on the Marvel Snap Zone YouTube channel, make sure you are subscribed there. Please like the video and leave a comment if you wouldn't mind just to help us reach more listeners. With all that being said, we will catch you in the next episode. Can't Stop Snapping is a podcast written, recorded, produced, and hosted by Michael Thurman. Thanks for listening.